This is the We Spin Recipes podcast with Andrew Apanov. Hello, hello, Andrew Apanov here, and this is the new edition of the We Spin Recipes podcast. And it's a bit different format now. If you have listened to at least one episode of this show, uh, you may have noticed. Uh, basically, from now on, I do custom. Uh, intros and outros to each episode uh, so I I want to uh, provide a bit of a background and uh, a summary of what uh, has been discussed both at the beginning of an interview and at the end uh, summing up the action points of what uh, has been discussed so you can act on uh, on what you have listened and what you've heard, because I bet most of you don't make notes uh, while listening to the show, which is perfectly fine, but the whole idea and points of this podcast and of this project is to make a difference in your music career and to uh, change how you view specific things and to uh, provide you, empower you with uh, some knowledge. So. I really hope that you like the new format. Uh, I welcome any feedback as always. Uh, you can go to wispin.co for, uh, uh, well, to check out what we've got over there in terms of uh, the uh, music marketing training and community, obviously, uh, and also to use the contact form to get in touch. I will uh, personally reply to everyone who contacts me. And um, uh, just a quick reminder as well, before I um, go to describing what exactly uh, we, uh, we've got today in terms of the show and the guest, uh, currently we've got this cool uh, podcast contest. You can get a, a neat postcard delivered right to your uh, front door. If you rate our podcast on iTunes and uh, leave a quick review, all the details uh, can be found at uh, getacard.wispin.co. Uh, the link is in the show notes in the description if you're listening to uh, these on SoundCloud, if you are just listening to the audio and um, uh, cannot access the show notes, then it's uh, getacard.wispin.co. So it's really simple and it helps our podcast to be discovered and um, you've got really high chances of getting this card. It's a little thing, but it's something you can uh, you can, you can own and, and touch. So I hope you participate and uh, now let's get to uh, today's episodes, of course. And today's guest is Lauren Weisman, the author of The Artist's Guide to Success in the Music Business. It's a brilliant book. I own a review copy since uh, 2013. I think this is when, uh, yeah, something like August 2013 is when uh, the, the second edition of the book was released. And uh, it's a high quality guide uh, with numerous tips on. Um, uh, succeeding in the music business and on this episode we talked to Lauren about uh, various tactics you can use to engage your fans we talked on different income streams so towards the end of the interview you can hear a lot of ideas on on how to 
on money as a musician and uh, Lauren makes it clear that it's not as difficult to get funding as an artist or a band uh, as you may think. Uh, we also talked on some really practical things like why you shouldn't be uh, prizing the, the thousands fan on your Facebook page and things like that. So a lot of cool things. I highly recommend you to listen into this half an hour interview in full. And uh, once again, please share your thoughts on the new format and enjoy the interview. Hello, hey. Lauren. How are you doing? Good. How are you doing? Doing great. And uh, you just mentioned something really cool about your workflow. I want the listener to know about that right away. So <laughs> <laughs> can you mention uh, where you get an inspiration for writing? Well, uh, for the new book, I'm writing it most every morning on the beach. I moved from Los Angeles to Vero Beach, Florida, and I take my laptop and a little beach chair out and try to do two to three hours every morning with the waves coming in. And it's much more relaxing than being kind of stuffed up or even in LA. It's flowing a lot better for this book. Excellent. Yeah, it's it sounds so cool. And uh, I should ask you about some productivity tips later on. It's, it just got me inspired. Anyway, so what's the book that you are working on right now? Uh, Wiley and Sons has commissioned me to write Music Business for Dummies, which will be out um, right now. The tentative release date is June 29th, 2015. And this, it ties back to my current book, The Artist's Guide to Success in the Music Business. But it also keys in on a lot of the you know, fundamentals and the aspects that you need to think about. It really doesn't set the exact plan. No book can. And anybody that says their book does, I mean, they're lying, but it sets up and, and it gives you every point that you have to address. And you might have to address it with a lawyer, a consultant, a manager, a booking agent, an investor. But knowing that you have these different checklists and different ideas that need to get covered can allow you that much more of an opportunity in the music business. Yeah. So it's actually something that I really liked in your book, in the Artist's Guide to Success in the Music Business, which I currently hold in my hand. And... Um, not that I'm trying to sell it, but here is what I personally liked about it. that The fact that also you called it a guide, it's more like a, a framework, like uh, something uh, helping set right mindsets, in my opinion. So when an artist reads such a book, your book, he or she may get uh, inspired to get the right things done. It's much more than just a step-by-step guide to doing something. It's more about understanding how the music industry works and how to approach it properly. So what do you try to achieve with your books? Do you have a specific image of a successful artist in mind? So what do you want an artist to take out of your book? Just the specific steps to take or more of a different approach to the music business? I like each artist to take out what they individually need. I'd say it in the forward of the artist guide that no individual artist will need every single piece of advice or idea in the book. They will need the different, they might need a one section for marketing or the studio thing could be something for another band. But what I like to get out across my books, in my speaking events, even in my consulting is how can you individualize and apply these directly to your career? There are a lot of people out there that say, this is how you do it. They put a broad bubble and a wide scope. And instead of doing that, where you don't know how this could work for one person or work for the other, maybe somebody has a lot more money than somebody else. Maybe somebody's a graphic designer or a web designer. 
you just save thousands of dollars in, you know, in some of your online media. Maybe you have connections in publicity. Maybe you own a recording studio. All of these things apply into the bigger production and music business plan that each artist has. So if artists can take pieces from my book, from other books, and figure out how to individualize them and personalize them, they'll become that much more successful than trying to follow a model that doesn't necessarily relate to them. Yeah, that makes sense, especially since uh, things are changing so fast. And uh, if you provide a very specific tip or guides in a book, it may become outdated in half a year, unfortunately, because, yes, yeah, so social networks change their rules and some of them become more important than the others and so on. So it's perfectly makes sense. I like the approach. So I think that marketing a book is uh, very similar to marketing music for an independent artist. So have you found it challenging yourself to actually get your message out there and reach the musicians? So what kinds of feedback do you get? And has it <laughs> difficult? I mean, I know that our listeners are mainly not writers, but I'm personally very interested in this because I'm in the similar field of educating musicians. I think the challenge, the marketing of a book was not as hard. I put together, just like as a producer, I would put together a music business plan and a marketing plan. I put together my marketing plan and I got the book out. I mean, it's in 50 countries, over 2,000 physical stores. It's available online all over the world. And then the marketing behind that and getting the word out, that was easier. It's marketing to musicians that made the challenge. I mean, musicians just as fans are being inundated with, I can get you 50,000 followers. I can get you 100,000 likes. I can put your music in front of these people. I can do this radio promotion. And the bulk of it, it's a scam. It's spam of, oh, I'll just toss you out through here. So my biggest issue in marketing is to put out, and the way that I've handled it, is to put out the information to show, okay, I really have been involved in the music business for 20 years. I didn't just say, oh, I'm a consultant. I came from being a session drummer, a music producer, and then crossed over. And then with each example and each post, as opposed to, and I tell this to musicians too, you can't continually sell without giving them the content to drive them in. So I try to put up audio samples. I try to put up the memes, blogs, videos, pictures, everywhere in between to draw interest and tell people, hey, this is my mindset. This is my approach. If you'd like to learn more about me, then here's my book or my consulting and my speaking. Now, for a lot of authors, for education groups, for other music consultants, even for musicians, all too often, they market their product first, and they're not considering the fan that they currently have while they're going after the fans that they don't. By engaging people and considering your existing fan and continuing to put up interesting content to them, while it's interesting content for somebody new, you're reinforcing your fan base while extending it, all while in the end coming back to selling. But by not putting that sales thing on the front side, you're drawing that much more interest and you're creating engagement that I would say easily 80% of the musicians don't do these days. Yeah. And I think it's really relates also to this recent blog post that you've written on uh, and I'm just looking into your latest tweets why connections and likes don't equal conversions or sales. It's a really important thing of what you're focusing on and uh, it's not just the amount of followers and likes and so on but 
Can you comment on this and maybe elaborate on this idea as I understand it's something that you've written recently? Sure. The biggest thing, a lot of people will put a lot of money into these numbers, but in growing in where you are today, tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, people from potential investors to people that are fans, they're inundated with the life coach that has you know, 157,000 followers. But then when you go down their Twitter page, you go down their Twitter page and there are two likes or one retweet, something just isn't balanced. I have 10,900 or so on Twitter. And a lot of people say, wow, it seems like we should have a lot more. I don't mind that. I'd rather be engaged with the 10,000 that I have than have hundreds of thousands and people not paying attention. When we track as musicians, as authors, as schools, being able to know, okay, at the beginning of January, this is how many followers I had. At the beginning of February, this is how many followers I had. And then figuring out what did I say? What did I put out from a video to a podcast, to a blog that drew somebody in to become a student of a school, to become a consulting client of me for somebody to buy a book or so on and saying, oh, you got that through Twitter. Great. Then I know that this is working at that level. The more that we can track, the better we understand our conversions. So going and buying views and buying likes and buying followers is absolutely the worst thing you can possibly do. Because if I was to throw down right now and say, I'm going to put half a million dollars into a musician. And I saw one person that said, okay, well, we have 800,000 followers on Twitter. I'm not impressed. Now I'd look at another musician that says, okay, we have 15,000 followers on Twitter. These were our sales after we posted this fun piece of content and a song. And this is how many gigs we got from it. My money is going to be safer with the people that have quote unquote less followers, but more engaged fans. And if musicians, authors, business, entertainers can realize that these numbers are now basically meaningless and the numbers of conversion are the direction, then more people can grow better businesses. I mean, of course, you want to reach out to the millions, but for the people that you can capture and the people that are directly engaged with you and your services, that allows you to know what's working. And then it allows potential investors to put money or grants to go behind you. That to me is effective. <laughs> yeah, perfectly clear. So how does a musician listening to this podcast achieve that? So what should they focus on? You mentioned some things when you were talking about how you promote your book. So putting out some samples and engaging the fans, interesting the your readers. So what about this engagement element? Do you have uh, any quick advice on uh, increasing the right numbers? Oh, yeah. I mean, first off, to be the artist and go to that very humble place and realize there are a million other people out there that want the same thing as you. There are a million other people that are want you to come to a show, buy a shirt, buy a download, buy an album. When you take that first step and say, okay, what am I saying and how can I change it so it doesn't sound like everybody else? That's a good start. The second part in that humility is to also don't, even if it's coming from the best intentions, don't brag, oh, here we are setting up at this venue or one of my favorites, thanks to our thousandth follower. If you say thank you to your thousandth follower on Facebook, it almost disrespects the 999 that followed before. It's almost like, well, wow, so all you're concentrating on is the larger number. I'd rather see somebody say, you know, 
We've seen John Smith has been a part of our board for, we, we think, or been following us for the last nine months. His comments are really funny. He owns a car repair shop in Bristol. If you're anywhere near him, the band would love you to go get your car fixed at Bristol. That's funny engagement. And even if it doesn't necessarily relate to the bulk of your fans that might not be in Bristol, it's still, it's engaging. To go to Nashville and instead of saying, oh, I'm playing at the Bluebird or here I am in front of you know this country music hall, backing up and saying, I really love the coffee at this location or this restaurant is great or here's City Hall. The more that you can put fresh, engaging content. I mean, like, you know, if I was in London, instead of talking about some of the biggest places there, I'd talk about the pink room and where the books are pink and the the couches are pink and that tea room next to that chocolate place. I haven't been there in years, but it's engagement that people can vicariously relate to, even if they're not in music. If you draw my interest, instead of just saying, I'm playing here. I mean, I put up a post last night on Instagram, my cat, he suckles on his bed. It's really just, it's weird. I mean, he just licks and goes at his bed like crazy. And so I posted up something. I, I hashtagged him music business cat. And I made this joke saying, but you know, he's really just all in on his bed. I don't know what's going on. Now, in the end, my, you know, this is what I do. This is the consulting that I do. And then the little closer joke, I promise I won't suckle on your bed if you hire me. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it, yeah. It's different. It's so much different than these musicians saying, buy me, like me. And the last part, and I'm going on, I don't mean to go on too long. It's a lot to put into something brief, is to make sure that when you're asking a fan for something, you're offering them something in return. Once, if I connect with you on Twitter, and the first thing I get is an automated message saying, thanks for the follow, now like me on Facebook, that mentally, psychologically is a turnoff. I just took a chance on you. So now you want me to do more for you. Those artists that say, thank you for liking. Here's a free download. Hope you enjoy the post. Something a little bit more personalized that brings a fan in and makes a fan feel special over just trying to grow numbers. It will help music engagement and it will help people become engaged. The more they can be engaged with the things outside of your music, your persona, the more that they can look you in the eye. Yes, they might look up to you as a musician. But the more you can share with them eye to eye, the more they're going to want to be engaged, the more they're going to want to tell other people about you, and the more they're going to be excited about you, where it doesn't matter if you don't show up in their feed, they'll go look for you. Exactly. Great tips here. And to this last point where you suggested giving something to the fans before asking for something in return, I think, and I've seen how it works particularly well when a brand or an artist gives something uh, to a fan continuously without asking for anything, but after five, six, seven, ten interactions in providing some value, only then they ask for something in return. So asking less may actually bring much more because the engagement level by that time may be really high. But I mean, everything that you've mentioned here makes sense. I really like this idea of highlighting some of the fans. I think it's uh, really smart and can be applied to any project. If you've got 50 followers, you can find someone who seem to actually care through, I mean, checking if they like your post or favorite it or something like that. And just without even asking them for anything, just highlighting what they do. It's really cool. I hope that the listener will, yeah, somehow implement it. Something about the book. So it was out 
in 2013. And is there anything that you uh, think is somehow slightly like outdated? Is there a chapter that you have an update on for anyone who, for example, has already read the book? It's interesting because my first book, The Artist's Guide, first edition, was written and released in 2010. And it was very for 2010. It was not, I didn't write it in the long term. It was my first book. You know, it, it was a learning curve. With The Artist's Guide to Success in the Music Business, second edition, I only called it a second edition to go after the SEO. The book is a complete rewrite. And there are aspects and subjects that are, that are discussed, but the only changes or the only update is really that people don't use, people have all but done away with fax machines now. I mentioned in the bio section about having you know, a fax number for your manager, which was kind of dying out even in 2013. But what I really wanted to focus on with the artist guide was to make the concepts you know, applicable for a long time to come, even with the dummies book coming out. To have the dummies book and have this one, you're still going to get a great deal of information because the concepts in the artist guide, they hit on stating, okay, well, here's a new social media site and here's why you should be on it. The Google algorithms that I talked about are what Google's doing with Hummingbird right now. So it's still updated. And it's funny, I mean, just a side note, I talked about it, you know, I said, stay on MySpace and people are saying, oh, MySpace is dead. Well, why would you not want to have your band name, your brand, or your name still reserved on MySpace so that somebody else might not take it? I mean, one of the biggest things I mean, I talked about in the last book I'm repeating in this new one is whatever sites you can get on each day, sign up and reserve your name from what you're about to your brand to your name for you to have every single site so that somebody else can't take it. Or let's just say that you know, you get really, really famous and other people are trying to find ways to get your name. Reserving your name everywhere, reserving your brand everywhere is so crucial today because people are trying to get in through every channel and take it. So I guess short, long answer to what you said, fax machines are pretty much gone. But the theme of the book, even being a year and and two months post-release, and not just saying this because I'm the author, the ideas are still, you know, they still stand strong. And I wouldn't say as much need need to be all that updated. <laughs> yeah, that's good to know. And I was just curious if uh, there is anything that perfectly makes sense. And the dummies book, I think it will still be, and you mentioned these, but I can assume it will be for those just uh, starting out more than for uh, more advanced musicians, is the title's Kind of suggests. Well, the tagline that I put together for the dummies book is learn to understand, organize, optimize, and execute a career in the music business, whether you're beginning, building, reinforcing, running, or just starting one. And while there's going to be a focus to people that have, you know, no idea about music or just getting in, it can be that small refresher of, I didn't know that about social media. I mean, I have Grammy award-winning clients that have been in the music industry for 40 years. And they might not be, you know, they might not be connected with certain things on social media, or they might have forgotten this, or they might not have that element in YouTube. A lot of the dummies is not in any way dumbed down. It's just making things easier. It's making some of these concepts easier for people to use from what's in the dummies book. And then from there to say, okay. I'm going to research a little bit more. A lot of times in the dummies book, I talk about a very simple topic. I try to take out the complexity of it. 
And then I offer the reader stating to dig in more, you can find this in the artist guide or to dig in more. This is when you contact an entertainment lawyer, you know, all those elements, especially the confusion of YouTube or SEO or marketing or, you know, finding an investor, all those elements are simplified, but to a point that can make the reader, if they're realizing, wow, I really need to do this. It gives them the tools to take that next step. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Got it. Yeah. So I think that the books will be complementing each other. So that's interesting and something to look forward to, even for those artists who have some understanding experience already. I don't want to ask you to reveal some information from the book, for example, but there is one topic that I'd like to get your comments on. And I know that you talked about this in the guide. So about what you just mentioned about getting the investment. It seems that in 2014, this had been the biggest challenge for artists to actually understand how to earn money. It's always been a challenge, but right now, the different income streams, things are shifting. And uh, even like people were talking about licensing a lot, started talking about licensing a lot a couple of years back. Right now, it's a really competitive space and difficult to be at. And is there anything that you are most positive about speaking of income streams? And uh, can you provide any comments on specifically on getting an investment for a musical project? Oh, of course. No, no. Happy to discuss that stuff. I don't like to come at the angle of you buy the book and this is how you'll find out. I'm always happy to cover the topics. And music business investment is one of the big, like you said, it's one of the biggest things that artists face. The fundamental of finding the investors, the venture capitalists, the angel investors, or just you know the friends, families, or loans is to justify and see things from the other side. If you told me that you had a project and it was going to cost you $10,000 to finish it up in the studio, and you wanted me to give you $10,000, and I'm taking the point of hundreds of thousands of artists that take this approach, I would never do that. Or if I gave that money away, it would be as a gift in support. Now, if you said, okay, I've got a project that's going to cost me $10,000 in the studio, and I'm looking to build a budget of $100,000, so I have $90,000 to promote it, now my ears are perked and I'm listening a little bit more. The biggest thing that people need to understand that to have that kind of money to promote it will allow the investment to come back. When artists put together music business plans, music business prospectuses, and I'm not trying to plug my services here, but that's my biggest service. My biggest thing outside of doing the book, the speaking and the consulting is looking at an artist, working with an artist and figuring out what is the game plan? What is the amount needed? What is the amount that's going to have to be paid back? What percentages? And how does this thing become you know, viably successful? And the answer always comes down to the marketing plan behind it. You could have some of the worst music in the world and people say, well, as soon as they hear it. I've been a part of projects where hundreds of thousands were put into the marketing that brought just horrible songs out into the public that made everybody a lot of money. I mean, it's it, think about that band that you've heard where you say, how did they get on stage? How did they get that hit? They got it through the marketing, the promotion, and the branding. So when bands put together a plan realistically and get out of that mindset of, as soon as they hear it, I'll be famous and move to the mindset of how do I budget to get as many people to hear this as possible to build the conversion, to build the engagement, then the money's out there. There are music entertainment companies outside of just record labels 
There's money everywhere. But when people are saying, oh, it's really hard to get funded, it's not necessarily that it's really hard to get funded or they aren't good enough to get funded. They just aren't organized enough. I yeah. mean, what is the expense? What is the revenue? What is the backup plan if things go wrong? What's the branding? How is this going to work? And once all those things are put down in paper, then there is money to be found. It's out there. It's everywhere. But it's the organization and the lack of organization that keeps so many musicians away from the larger scale investments. Yeah, that's really interesting. And uh, going back to what's also mentioned in the, in the question about different income streams. So Funat is building a, such a business plan to offer to an angel investor, for example. It's a more complex question than that, but what income streams uh, would you uh, consider focusing on, uh, generally speaking, on how many, I would rather say, because for every artist is different. Some as bands may be performing strictly, but someone may not do any live shows and maybe doing the music for licensing opportunities and so on. But I always uh, remind musicians that there is always a mix of different income streams. You don't earn from just uh, one source like sales or live shows or something else. So in such a business plan, would you recommend maybe focusing on in 2015 in terms of the plant income streams, if it makes sense at all? Oh, absolutely. I think that strictly choosing one avenue of revenue is very dangerous. And I tell musicians to think about it from a standpoint of if you opened up a restaurant and only served one item, how's that going to work for you? My viewpoint or a series of revenue streams would be everything from you know, CD online direct to selling a CD in person, the distribution of online downloads to selling download cards you know, to exclusive through the website, t-shirts, posters, live show streams. I mean, produced shows done in a theater that's rented by a band where they can sell a streamed video, whether it be live or whether it be recorded. Music on thumb drives, logos on hats, bracelets, TV licensing opportunities, sweatshirts, corporate video licensing. Maybe the band can do a song that can be used by a company that would allow their music to be in the background. All of that kind of falls into sync licensing. There's still some, you know, some niche in vinyl, posters, stickers. I know I said posters before, coffee cups. You know, the festivals, even publishing, when going into the studio and recording that song, have that version with no vocals and that final mix that can be handed off to somebody else and potentially done by another artist on that same level. If I'm in America and I'm producing somebody in Miami and I can send a track to Korea that has a translation of it's the Miami artist, but singing in the, the language of Hangul, the South Korean language. Now you're opening up international channels, being even some of these bands on the road, being backing bands for others, getting lessons on the road, composing. I love the idea, and I've, I've seen this around the last 15 years, not as strongly, but I'm seeing it come out there, is where bands coming out and saying, we'll compose a song for your wedding, your uh, friend's birthday, a song just for you. Well, this is what it's going to cost us to record it and do whatever. This will be your song, and here's how much it's going to cost. Phone covers, computer skins, you know, the, the going for those house shows, performance royalties, mechanical royalties. It just it rolls on and on. There are so many different angles, and one of my favorite angles, I'd say, is like a last one, is 
a piece of merchandise that can be that can be purchased like a t-shirt with a download code on it where if you don't buy this shirt you don't get this song it's not available on a cd it's not available online as a download it's very exclusive there's a sense of exclusivity with artists that or more so with fans they connect with something it's like wow if you don't buy this t-shirt you don't get this song i mean the last part to tie all the different revenue streams together and the music and this is the biggest thing that I, I scream from the mountaintops. Get out of the mindset of the album, putting out more material more often. So instead of doing some super 20-song double album, you put it out in January 2015. Then you have 12 to 24 months of continuing to try to push the exact same product. If you took those 20 songs, broke it out, and you put out a five-song EP in January, and then a five-song EP in July, and then in February, March, April, and May, one single download each at the beginning of the month. And then in the middle of the month, middle of January, we're doing a sweatshirt. Middle of February, we're doing a coffee cup. Middle of March, we're doing glassware. Then you are consistently engaging your fans with new materials that are promoting the older ones. And that's a lot better than opening up a store and stating, here's everything I got. There's not going to be anything new. And all I have to promote to you is what I did in the past. And I took my own approach on this. The artist guide came out as a paperback. Then it came out as an ebook. And then it slowly, each audio chapter came out separately. Chapter seven in the recording studio, the audio version is about to come out next week. I mean, the book's been out for a year and two months. This way of spreading out your materials will allow for more revenues and more streams to be exciting to more people. Yeah, that's exactly what I wanted to hear, plus much more. <laughs> so that's, that's really <laughs> cool. Exactly the types of uh, tips that uh, many artists are looking for as well. Yeah, so I really like how optimistic and positive you are. You can easily get energized and inspired to get more done while listening to you. So I really appreciate all the insights so far, and uh, I'm absolutely sure that there is uh, a lot more, and I know that. Can you comment on your blog quickly and mention where people can read more of your stuff besides the books? Oh, yeah. I do a regular blog on artistguide.net. It's A-R-T-I-S-T-S-G-U-I-D-E.net. With Lauren Wiseman, I'm on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter. I'm across the board. Just as I tell everybody else to get on all those sites, I'm on them too. And I always tell people, I say, don't if you follow me on Facebook, don't follow me on Twitter. I'm putting out basically the same information. If you want to go to laurenwiseman.com, I do free consults for everything from artists to managers to record labels to investors. And I try to constantly with the internet, put up a tip or some kind of joke or something relating five days a week to keep people just thinking. And again, there's no one method. It's, there's so many different ways. And the more that an artist, entrepreneur, startup business, record label manager can look at all the different views the more they can have an opportunity to find their path in the music industry. And it's so much better than going on X Factor, America's Got Talent, you know, all of those American Idol, all of those crazy reality shows that are a flash in the pan. The more that an artist can fundamentally create their foundation, their brand, their message, their music, the more it will become easier for other people to come on board and help reinforce that and help them grow together. 
It's harsh in the sense that it, it is a little bit negative that if you're not prepared to learn the aspects of the business, and if you're not prepared to do that, it's really time to quit. And that's kind of negative. But if you really want it, if you really believe in it, and you're prepared to do the work you have to do and learn how to do the work you don't know how to do, you've got a chance in 2015. Yeah, that's a great way to start the new year. So yeah, excellent. Thanks for the tips. I was just going to ask you for the final word, but really like only if you want to have something to add, but I think it was just super inspiring and very specific and, and real. So and actual, which I really like. I'm linking to your website and uh, the book, of course, and social media profiles in the show notes. I personally just follow you on Instagram and I absolutely love the music business cats hashtag. I will be using it for Hank myself. So just <laughs> expect to this. You just got a, a supporter for this one. Um, well, thank you. I really like this idea. So cats and music, I think they just go together very well. So <laughs> anyway, so thank you once again. And uh, do you have a final quick advice for musicians or anything else you'd like to mention here? I would just say before you take any step with anybody, do your due diligence and do your research. Don't buy into what you see on a website. You know, you want to work with somebody, you're looking at a potential manager, a label, some kind of opportunity. Look at what has been done with other people. Call the references. Check up on these people. Make sure they're for real. A lot of people that say they get screwed over in the music business because of their lack of due diligence, they did it to themselves. The more you research, the more you look up, the more questions you ask, the safer you'll be as you move forward in your music career. Excellent. So what... Thank you, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, your new book this summer. Thanks a lot for all your insights on the show. Thanks for having me. This is it. Hope you enjoyed the interview with Lauren Weisman. And uh, as a quick summary of just some of the action points from this conversation, after finishing this podcast, go to your social media profiles, find one of you fans of yours, even if you've got a modest following, and uh, try to dig a little bit deep into uh, what they do, what they care about, uh, what they do for a living and uh, what's special about them. It doesn't matter that much about how many followers they've got and try to highlight them on your profiles and uh, say thanks for supporting you. So it's great if uh, uh, the person who you picked Uh, has shown uh, some support uh, of what you do via uh, purchasing something from your store or even liking, sharing, commenting. And focus on the conversions and engagements instead of just the amounts of people uh, who likes your page or follows you on Twitter and so on. Work on your business planning carefully and remember that there is enough money in the music business you just need to prepare properly and uh, remember to constantly deliver different kinds of content so instead of releasing everything you've got at once think on how you can stretch the contents uh, in time or maybe uh, repost reposition uh, uh, your existing content but in a new and interesting way so to me it would be uh, considering to release uh, a pack of songs as uh, small uh, singles or EPs instead of just one album if you've got a small following albums do make sense of course uh, but not always let's say if you've got a new 
photo shoots and uh, you may have a desire to release all these uh, dozens of new photos that you've got but consider posting just one per week for example so stretch your content and time and think of different ways to deliver constantly you may not have a new uh, records in a month or in a few months but you can still have a constant stream on interesting and engaging content and of course uh, I highly recommend personally to check out uh, Lauren's book and uh, it's really interesting to see what's what will be inside the music business for dummies and uh, uh, once again the artist guide to success in the music business is available uh, on Amazon and you know, all these different uh, stores online and physical formats and so on. Uh, so I, uh, once again, uh, hope you uh, like this. Uh, let me know online uh, via the contact form at wispin.co or on social media. And uh, see you next week. Thank you. You have been listening to the We Spin Recipes podcast. Learn how we can help you improve your music career at wespin12.com. We Spin 12.